Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Story Mark chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to read from verse 34. What has happened? People are following Jesus. Jesus' ministry um, is going, uh, going well. He's, he's healing people. People are getting set free. People are getting delivered. Um, and we come, we've seen in, in the first few books of Mark, we see various different miracles. We come to this miracle in Mark chapter 6. The story of it begins in verse 30, but I'm going to start reading from verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. How many love the fact that when we think the day is done and Jesus is finished, all he wants to do, he still wants to do something great. I love the fact that just when we think it's all over and we're ready to wrap it up, Jesus is just getting started. And that's what's happening in this story. And it says, send them away, the disciples said to him, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish, five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them, To make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them and the two fish to divide among them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and the fish now who's had been, now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000. Men, this miracle and one of the things that I like about this miracle, and I think it applies to us, I think in so many different areas of our lives, this miracle is different to the other miracles that we've seen Jesus operate in, in Mark. In the book of Mark, as you begin reading through the first few chapters, you hear of, you read a few miracles of, of healing Jairus' daughters, one of them. Peter's mother-in-law is another one. There's demon-possessed man. There is supernatural. There are great miracles that take place. But then we land on this miracle. There's something about this miracle that I like that I think applies to us because what we see happening in this story We don't necessarily see people that are in a radically bad place. In comparison to the other miracles that Jesus had been doing prior to this point, these people in this story are really doing not bad. They don't need healing that we read about in this story. They're not blind. They're they're not crippled. They're not that they don't have nothing, yet Jesus still chooses to do a miracle. 
There's something in that that I think we need to be encouraged this morning and there's a message in this that I want you to catch that God does not wait till things get so bad in your life before He wants to touch you and do something supernatural. Somehow we get caught up in this thinking that we have to hunger for a touch of God when we get right down to the bottom of the barrel. And I want to encourage you this morning that you don't serve a God that waits for things to get so bad that God doesn't just want to take you from bad to good. He wants to take you from good to great. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, I think, for our lives. There are so many different areas of our lives that I think we would describe them as doing okay. There may be some areas where maybe they were those areas that we responded this morning and declared over this morning. Yes, there's those areas that we would say are doing bad, but I think for the most part where we are and where we live and, and, and compared to the rest of the world, we're pretty blessed. I think for the most part, most things in our life we would describe as doing okay. That our finances... Maybe we would say, look, we're, we're doing okay. We're hanging in there. We're making ends meet. Maybe for our health, we might say, yeah, there's some issues, but I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Maybe for our family, maybe we would describe our family and say, look, we're not broken and torn apart. We're, you know, we're, we're doing all right. We make it by. But I want to encourage you this morning, church. And I want to stir your faith just a little bit and remind you that God did not become flesh and hang on a cross so that you can just do okay. Jesus came and paid the price for you to not just live in good, but for you to live in great. John 10.10 says, Satan came to kill, steal and destroy. And Jesus came to give you life, not just life, but life to the full. I wanna stir your faith this morning that it's time for some of you to, as Isaiah talks about, stretch the tent pegs and start to believe that God is about to do something something in your life that is far beyond just okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good to believe for something great. It's a good thing in the Kingdom of God to believe that God wants you to walk, walk supernaturally blessed. See, even when I say that, you can feel some people, sometimes we find it difficult because it's a mindset shift that has to happen when we recognise who we are in Christ Jesus and what He has called us to. The greater the level of blessing you step into in your life, the greater the testimony you are to the goodness and faithfulness of God. I want people to look at my life and say, God has to be good. Look at what He's doing. Look at His family. Look at the touch on Him. Look at what He's carrying. Look at how much joy there is. Look at how He's blessed beyond what He could do in the natural. Because we have to understand it is a testimony to the goodness of God. Don't water down the cross of Jesus Christ by settling for second best. <laughs> 
Recently, Caressa and I, we were traveling. <coughs> Excuse me. We were traveling and we did, uh, we're over about three and a half weeks. And uh, we flew to Australia. We were there for Hillsong Conference and caught up with some of my flam- family. It's a 14-hour flight, LA to Melbourne. We took it with an eight-month-old infant. Come on, if you're not close to Jesus, <laughs> after that, you will be. Thank God for baby Tylenol. Praise Jesus. <laughs> we get onto the flight. We walk onto the flight. And, and uh, we're traveling with, with my in-laws, Pastor Jansen and, uh, and, and Pastor Cherise. And uh, we get onto the flight. We're flying Delta. Pastor Jansen flies a lot. And he's flown a lot for a long, a long time. Always has flown Delta. So he has what they call diamond medallion status with Delta, which is quite different to the status that I have. The seat that he gets, it's very different to the seat that I get. Come on, praise Jesus. You know where they put the bags? My seat is the next seat from where they put the bags. I get onto the plane and, uh, and, and just with how the booking uh, had been organized, um, Jensen, Pastor Jensen was sitting right close by where Caressa was. And so Jensen came up to me and said, listen, why don't, why don't we switch seats so you can be beside Caressa and help with the baby? I said, that's a great idea. That's a great, great idea. I said, send me, Lord, I will go for the kingdom. So I go and sit in the seat and I start getting things set up. You know, you start unpacking your bag and just getting ready as you do for a 14-hour flight. And as I'm getting ready, I sit down in the seat is <clears throat> uh, a gentleman come, comes out of the front and uh, and comes up to me and and he's he's uh, he's dressed nice. Sorry, just one sec. I'm gonna. Thank you, bro. He comes up and he's dressed nice. He comes out of the cockpit area. He's in like a suit and he he walks. He's got this little piece of paper. He walks straight. He walks past everyone else and walks straight up to me. He starts with this. He says, "Mr. Franklin." I said, yes. He said, I'd like to personally come and thank you for flying with us once again. I said, it's a pleasure. I did. I'm not stupid. Come on. Um, He said, I would like to thank you for flying with us. He said, as a diamond medallion flyer. We're so honoured that you would choose Delta once again to fly. He said, as you're a valued member of, of our elite flying team and, and the Delta, Delta team, it's an honour for us to serve you today. He said, please, if there's anything that you would like throughout, throughout the flight, we're going to be bringing you some different added extras that are entitled to you as a valued diamond medallion flyer. Now, I'm an honest man. I love Jesus. I believe in integrity, honesty, and living right. However, someone once told me that favour ain't fair. So as this gentleman began to tell me all of the added extras that were going to be made available to me, I looked back at him and I said, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on this flight. And I took my seat under Jensen Franklin. I said to him, there's a guy back there called Ben Prescott. You need to keep an eye on. 
He's going to be trouble. He's a silver fox with a nice hair. Check him out. He's going to be trouble, I promise you. For 14 hours, whenever I got up, I was walking, I would walk Luca around the plane while trying to calm him. Whenever I got up, wherever I would go, air hostesses came from everywhere. Mr. Franklin, is there anything we can do for you? Is there anything you would like? Would you like some food? Would you like? No matter what I was doing, what was going on, what they were giving me, what was made available to me was so far beyond who I was. Because see, they didn't see me for who I was. They saw me because of where I was seated. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, it tells me that I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. Could it be that there is available to you another level? There's an upgrade in the Spirit that God wants you to have. But some of you have settled for coach Christianity because you've got to get a greater revelation of the seat you have in the Kingdom of God. It's an upgrade. You know what? I didn't have to earn it. I was not able to walk in that level of service because of anything that I had done. It was because someone else had done the hard yards before me. Someone else had done the years of building it, the years of preparation. I want to tell you, church, and encourage you and remind you of what Jesus Christ has done before you on the cross. It makes a way for you to walk in something that's bigger than you. As I was praying and just preparing this message, I felt God stir me, me personally, and say to me, it's time for an upgrade. It's time to expand the capacity of what you're believing for. I felt God tell me to tell you some of you need to change your prayer life. Change what you're praying for. Some of you are believing for okay. It's time to forget okay and start believing for over and above. There's a greater, there's a greater level. And listen, you don't have to feel bad about believing for more. I didn't feel bad walking around that plane. I felt great. (laughs) Chris has said, I can't believe you're not telling myself. I'm not stupid. They didn't technically ask me. They just presumed. And who am I to correct them? We settle. We settle for second best. I'm sick of seeing Christians praying that they would just get by. Praying. Listen, hear my heart. I understand that there are people that, you know, some of you are in challenges where you're believing for God to just, just get you by, just get over the hill, just get over that hump rather. But I want to encourage, don't just pray 
that the bills would be paid. Yeah, God can do that. But you think, you think your heavenly Father just wants the bills paid? That's not pressed down, shaken together, running over. He wants to bless you. Listen, over and above, greater, greater blessing than anyone in your past generations have walked in. Some of you, it's a generational thing that you've got to cut off of poverty. A poverty mindset of lack and settling just because the past generation settled. I don't care what the past generation did. Old things are gone. New things are yet to come. You could be the one that turns a generational line and set things up different for your kids. God's calling you to an upgrade. Stop settling for coach Christianity. It's a shift in the thinking. Jesus said to these disciples, He said to them, why don't you, why don't you go get them something? And immediately we get a glimpse into where their mindset was at. Straight away, they start saying, well, I mean, it's too much. I mean, how, we don't have enough money. How, how are we going to provide all this? The crowd is too big. See where their mindset, their mindset was conditional. Based on the condition that they were in. You've got to shift. If you want to walk in an upgrade, you've got to shift your thinking from conditional to positional. Where you don't think conditionally, you think filtered through the position you know that you have through the kingdom of God in heaven. That's what kept them down. That's what kept them bound in their thinking. They were thinking too many of you think conditionally. It's a shift in your thinking. Are you expecting great things for your life? Are you expecting bigger, better, greater, far beyond what you've ever experienced before? I want to tell you that is the God that you serve. That is the heart of God to pour out upon you. But so often what stops the flow of blessing is a limited capacity and expectation. When did the, when the widow woman, when the, they were pouring out oil and the widow woman brought the vessels, when did the oil stop? The Bible says the oil stopped when she ran out of vessels didn't say the oil stopped because it ran, the oil ran out. We got to get a bigger capacity. I felt God speaking to me, Carissa and I, the other night, we went for a walk. And uh, we're walking, we walked out of where we live and we were walking around and there's a beautiful uh, estate, a new estate where, right by where we live. And uh, it's like this gated community, but they had a little gate off to the side that was open. So I walked in there. It was open. And, and so we walked in there and we're walking around. I mean, this is beautiful estate, high-end homes. I should have taken my wife somewhere not so nice. Because the problem was once she got a glimpse of it, women, you know what I'm talking about. But God spoke to me. We were walking through there. And God spoke to me, and this is where God put this in my heart and put this in my spirit. Chris and I, we're just renting a place. 
And we would love one day to, to be in that position where we could buy something, something great, something nice. But when we were walking around this community, and we're walking and we're seeing all of these brand new, beautiful homes, the enemy, he'll start to speak and say, no, you can't believe, don't believe for that. That's a bit much. That's a bit, that's a little bit extravagant. Don't be, I know this is how the enemy talks to so many of us. Don't be so bold as to think that. That's a little bit, here's a good one, that's a little bit arrogant. Let me tell you what humility is. Humility is walking in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid the price on the cross for you and every single step you give God glory. That's humility. And God spoke to me. And as we started walking around this place, God spoke to me and said, it's time to enlarge your capacity and start to believe for more. It's time to get a greater prayer life where you pray things that even scare you. If your prayer life is not scaring your flesh, then you're not praying for things big enough. It's time for you to start to declare greatness over your life, over your family, far beyond what you've done before in the natural church. It's time for an upgrade. I wanna encourage you. Because the enemy, it's a tactic of the enemy. The enemy doesn't just want you to experience less. But if he can cause you to experience less, then maybe he'll cause you to think that you also serve a God of less. If you continue to just walk in less than, if you continue to just walk in a little bit, then maybe day after day, maybe you'll start to believe that He's just a God of little bit. That's why the enemy wants to keep you, keep you bound, keep you tied to second best. Look at how the enemy, one of the ways the enemy, Satan, tempted Jesus, when Jesus was in the desert, the Bible says in Matthew 4 and verse 8, it says that when, when the enemy came to Jesus, it says it took him to a high place and it showed him all the kingdoms of the world. The enemy said to him, if you would bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Which is odd because Jesus, we know Jesus was the Son of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So He already owned all the kingdoms of the world. One of the devil's greatest strategies to keep us where we are is to continue to offer to us something that we already have. They had five loaves and two fish. Small-minded thinking would not believe that God could touch five loaves and two fish. How do you, how do you take it from five loaves and two fish to multiplication? Watch what Jesus did. Jesus spoke to the disciples before He had done the miracle. And He said, go to the crowd and divide them into hundreds and fifties. 
Now think about that. Think about how much sense that does not make when you're about to distribute five loaves and two fish. If I was a disciple and Jesus was like, Ben, go and put everyone into hundreds and fifties. I'd be like, we've got five loaves, two fish. Jesus, that's seven. We just need seven dudes. See, what was he doing? He was, he was causing them to walk in something that was beyond them. Don't operate in where you are now. Operate in where you believe God is calling you to. Don't wait for it to happen before you start walking in it. God spoke to me as we we're walking around this, this, this estate. A lot of the houses were empty. People hadn't moved in yet, but there was one couple that were unpacking their car. And when we saw them, I thought, I wonder if we'll get in trouble for being in here because we don't live in here. But the gate was open. And so, but then I felt in my spirit, you know what? I'm just going to walk like I live here. So I just start walking around. Hey, what's up? I was one step away from asking someone to borrow a cup of sugar. You know, like, I'm your neighbor. Like... How do you unlock a greater level for your life? Start walking like you belong there. Start walking, start operating, start talking, start praying, start believing, start declaring on the level that you're praying for. It takes faith, doesn't it? My buddy, and I'm going to close with this. I know I've been yelling a lot. My buddy back in, in Australia, he's, into, he's a businessman. <clears throat> he's about my age. And, uh, and he loves business. He's studied entrepreneur. He's got a few different business, businesses. And he's always looked up to and studied as a businessman, um, Richard Branson. And he's got a few of his books. And he's always been like a big hero of his. And he was at home and, uh, and he heard of an event that Richard Branson, an invite-only um, gathering at Richard Branson in Melbourne uh, rented a luxury estate and, and they did a huge gala ball at this luxury estate, invite only for just for high-end business owners and, and celebrities and things like that in, in Melbourne. My friend heard about this event because his roommate was one of the caterers that was catering this event. When my friend heard about it, he thought to himself, I would love to be able to go to that event. I wish I was able to get invited. Obviously, he didn't have those connections. But this guy's a little bit crazy. And he thought to himself, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go. So he went, rented a tuxedo, dressed up like he belonged there and showed up at the front door of the event. He's telling me this story as God is my witness. I, I lied to you not. He begins to tell me what he did. So he says, Ben, I, I just showed up. I said, like, what were you thinking was going to happen? He says, I don't know. There was security everywhere. There's a big line of people at the front and everyone's going through. And as they go through, security checks their, their tickets and all of that and everything. And I said, so what did you do? He said, I just stood in the, stood in the line. 
I said, and what happened next? And he said, I just started getting closer and closer. (laughs) I said, what did you think was going to happen? He said, I don't know, but I was going to give it a go. Sure enough, he gets to the front of the line and this is, how it was, this is how he described it to me. The lady in front of him, there was a few people in her party. She had some different bags that she was bringing in. I think she was involved in part of the setup or whatever it might be. As she's pulling out her tickets to show, she pulls out the amount of tickets for the group that is with her. As she pulls out the tickets, one of her bags falls. My friend bends down to pick up the bag As he picks up the bag, security turns to start going through the tickets. He steps through carrying one of her bags. As God is my witness, I lied to you not. I said to him, you are not telling me the truth. He said, I promise you, before I knew it, I was standing looking behind at security, checking everyone else as they came through. He said, I was in. I said, what did you do then? He said, I went to the buffet and started eating food. I said, what? And he goes, yeah, because I figured the key to me staying there was acting like I belonged there. I said, that sounds like that's pretty good thinking. Listen, it doesn't stop there. He's at the buffet. He's by himself. He's eating all the food. And then he realised he's standing by himself. So he realised I probably need to start to integrate myself into a social group or a group of people. Otherwise, I'm going to stand out and my cover is going to be blown. So he starts talking to a random group of people that look like they're sort of his age. And he just starts up a conversation. He starts talking with them. And as they're talking, one of the guys, they're just talking away with one of the other guys that are there. And the guy starts talking to him and, and says to him, my, my buddy says, how did you, uh, how did you, what do you do? What, what line of work are, in, are you in and how did you come to be at this event? And my buddy said to him, well, I mean, it's actually a funny story. <laughs> I'm actually not meant to be here. And the guy said, what do you mean? He said, I just love Richard Branson. So I went and rented a suit and just walked through. And the guy said to him, you mean you didn't even get invited? And he goes, No. The guy looks at him and said, that is the best story I've ever heard in my life. The guy says to him, what's your name? So they shook hands and my buddy says to him, what's your name? And the guy responds and says, my name is Sam Branson. I'm Richard Branson's son. He says to my buddy, would you like to meet my dad? My buddy says, you're not serious. He says, come with me. They walk through into a back room where there is a small handful of business people talking with Richard Branson. His son walks in, interrupts the conversation and said, Dad, trust me, you want to meet this guy and you want him to tell you how he came to be here tonight. (laughs) Richard Branson, this is a true story, stands up shakes his hand and says, tell me how you came to be here tonight. My buddy looks at him and says, well, sir, I've got to be honest with you. I've looked up to you for many years. I'm a, I'm a small business owner myself. I'm a bit of an entrepreneur and I heard that this event was on and, and uh, I hope that you're going to be okay with this. But I went and rented a, a tuxedo and just snuck through. Richard Branson lost it, looked at him and said, that is one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. Let's sit down and talk business. Church, listen. I want to tell you something. What you need to do to unlock blessing in your life, start walking like you belong in a greater level. Start walking like you belong up the front. 
start walking like there's something upon your life that you serve a God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. Start walking like you belong in press down, shaking together and running over. Someone give God praise. If you believe like there's an upgrade coming your way. Stand to your feet right across this room. I wanna pray. Listen to me. I know it's a silly story. And hear my heart, I'm not condoning it. Please don't email me. I'm just telling you what happened. (laughs) What I loved about the story though, what we can learn from it was his mindset. I said to him, what what did you, I kept saying to him, what did you think was going to happen? He said, I don't know, but I figured it was worth a go. I don't want to get to the end of my life and think, what if I... What if I did believe? I mean, what if I really did believe for crazy things? What if I got in that Word enough and got that Word deep down in my spirit enough that I believe that God would do something in and through my life that is absolutely out of this world? Because that's what you're called to. That's what's upon your life. That's the anointing upon your business. Don't sit there and think, well, that's good and great for everyone else. That's a strategy of the enemy to shut down what God is calling you to. I'm here to tell you and listen to me under the sound of my voice. It's time for an upgrade. It's time for a new level. It's time to leave behind second best. It's time to step into a greater level of thinking that's above, beyond. Some of you have settled for second best because of past mistakes. Businessmen that have failed. Bankruptcy. Ideas that didn't come about. Bad deals that were made when you should have known better and you made a mistake. Guess what? The Bible says all have sinned. Some of you have accepted second best for your family because of past mistakes. Mistakes, Dad, that you made that you should have known better. You should have never done that. You should have never said that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Quit holding on to past mistakes that Jesus has already forgotten through the cross and step into the upgrade that God is calling you to. Right across this room, I want to do something with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you feel God speaking to you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.